Support for Best of Belfast comes from listeners just like me who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. Massive thanks to all of you listening who have already joined the Producers Club, especially our Titanic producers, Barclays Eagle Labs, Ulster University, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, Gavin Wall, Peter Dixon and of course the Ormobiles team. To find out more about how you can support independent ad-free media, get invitations to live podcasts and submit questions to our guests, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Thanks so much and we really hope you enjoy today's show. Wow, my first memory. My first memory was always a good memory. It was always uh, when my dad was alive, he, he, he gave me the money to buy a motorbike. And I was always into my motorbikes, you know, and, and uh, riding trials bikes and all that sort of stuff. Oh, like, sweet. you know, so I loved that. And, and, and that was my pride and joy. And I used to go out and clean it and clean it upon clean it and all. <laughs> and, and then go out and ride it on the Cape Hill, you know, with my brother and yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved all that sort of stuff, you know, outdoor stuff. And I always remember as well being a, a child running about the streets and playing the, the rounders and, and, and uh, do you know all the churchy and all those sort of stuff, you know, in the streets. and Which you don't get anymore because the kids are sort of inside now and they don't really do the run about and rallyo and bike rallyo and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, and there's cars parked everywhere. <laughs> cars parked everywhere, whereas in my day it was always you out playing the street and, you know, and your, your mum was shouting at you, you know, get in, it's time to, for school and all that. <laughs> like, you know, get clean for school. Where was home for you? Down in, in, in North Belfast, down down near the Shore Road there, you know, nice in, in Northwood. You know, so we're just down at the, at the Crusaders uh, football pitch there and uh, we used to go in, there was, there was a close friend of mine, he was in the fire service as well and uh, we used to go up to his uh, loft and watch the matches from his, his oh, bedroom. Oh, legendary. Watch the crews and all <laughs> like, you know. And then you used to go over and get lifted over the turnstiles, you know, there's, there's this lifted over the turnstiles thing. You used to look for the, the, the man, listen, will you lift us over, lift us over and you used to go in and watch the matches like, you know, and uh, that, that, that was the days in the show road that was and then we moved from the show road up and on the Bally Sullen there mm. and uh, when I went to secondary school the boys model and uh, I enjoyed my school days there you know used Class. to play football for the for, for the, the school and we actually ended up playing one of our matches one of the cup finals in the uh, in the Crusaders ground oh, then deadly so uh, I was the left back, you know. Should have been left back in the change rooms, but anyway, <laughs> I was uh, I was left back. I was one. I was my, my memories always good memories, you know, because it was always supported by my family and my sister and uh, my mum. And my dad was a seaman. He was always away at sea, and oh, was I it? was a sort of the, the male about the house and doing the hanging the pictures and doing all the, <laughs> the good stuff, like you know. So, uh, but but it was it was good ground in life for future life and, and working in the house and mm-hmm. you know it made you do things then and and fend for yourself a wee bit, you know. So. But no, I had always good memories there, you know, when I was young and was always brought up well. And we used to go, no, one of my memories was, I'm probably keeping you back here. But one, of, one, one of my good memories was, that you can't get me stopped now. One of my really good memories was, uh, we used to go along to the, the Grove Bars. Oh, yeah? The old Grove Bars. No, the old oh, Grove well, Bars. Yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. It's not the new, the, the new GL one. It's, it's the old one. Uh, every Friday night with, uh, with my mum and my sister. For a scrub? Uh, I first grew up, I had the big bar, and just as where we're sitting in the bars, like, you know, so it shows you age of me here, like, but we're in the, the, the old, uh, the old, uh, every Friday night, and we used to go in for swimming in there, and they used to play the Hawaiian music, and it was lovely, it was beautiful, nice. and then we used to go up to my granny's and uh, have fish and chips, and sit by the fire, it was lovely, like, you know, back in the day, you know, and... But you can't beat that, like fish no, and chips in a fire. Fish and chips oh. in a fire, it, it was fantastic, like, you know, and we used to look forward to that every Friday, and uh, that that was... Uh, that was that night sort of night and then the other nights we used to go over and play the, the pitch and putt golf in the, in the grove and we used to get a crowd of friends and do that all the time you know no my my my, my youth days were, were great you know and 
totally different now with regards to you know outlooks of children all night as what yeah. to do and the things to do. Like it was none of these com- phones or computers in my day. Like mm-hmm. it was all you get out there and play and and more mechanical stuff, bicycles and sure, yeah. the grifters and the, the tomahawks and uh, all <laughs> those sort of things, choppers and all that sort of stuff. You know, but uh, no, I, I had a good time there. You know, it was very good class. You know. Well, I mean, I'm really excited for to sit down with you today. I mean, I don't know an awful lot about you. Uh-huh. All I know is that you work for the fire service. Yes. You're a station commander. Yeah. You like to travel. Yes, I do. And Carmel McKinney said that I have to sit down and talk to you. And Carmel's a lovely <laughs> And when f- Carmel tells me to do something, I just do it. She actually phoned me this morning. <laughs> a lovely lady. She phoned me this morning. She was saying, she gave me a free wee prompts of what the... And you know what? I, I don't mind saying, you know, but she was actually saying, I mean, I do it. And she's a lovely lady. I have a lot of time for it. She says... Uh, you're good luck today and I says oh brilliant I'll need it and all and just having a laugh and what have you and she says just think about uh, what what books you read and all I says I don't really read books but <laughs> I, I like looking at travel books and that sort of thing in yeah. different countries and all that sort of stuff and then she's saying about uh, who who would you like to have coffee with <laughs> and, and, and I says I says I don't I says probably you or something like you know joking yeah, like you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh but she was uh, she's a lovely lady, like you yeah. know. So, uh, but yes, my life my life would be well simple enough, like you know, with regards mm-hmm. to the fires. It's not the only place I've worked in now, you know. Sure. I've worked in sure. I've worked in a few places, but uh, so I I have no real agenda today. Like it's really just sit down and hear your story, things I'm interested in covering, or uh, what drove you to become a firefighter in the first place, what it was like to lose and then regain your health again. And yeah. um, just some of the personal accounts and lessons you've learned along the way. Right. So for okay. anyone jumping in, listening, uh, this is probably roughly where we're going. I mean, mm-hmm. you never know where it's going to end up, um, but you can expect a really, really interesting chat today with uh, David. And right. I'm really looking forward to it. Hi, I'm David Hardinson, and you're listening now to The Best of Belfast. Alright folks, what's the crack? My name is Matthew Thompson and welcome to Best of Belfast, the podcast that celebrates Northern Ireland and the incredible people in it. The show is brought to you from our recording studio in Ormo Baths, Barclay Eagle Labs, a co-working space right here in the heart of the city centre. Support for Best of Belfast comes from listeners just like you, who pledge as little as £1 a month to join the Producers Club, get invitations to live podcasts and support us on our journey to 100 interviews. Big, big thanks to all of you who make the show possible, especially our Titanic producers, Barclays Eagle Labs, Ulster University, Gavin Wall, and of course, the wonderful Ormo Baths team. To find out more, get in touch, or check out our back catalogue of over 80 incredible interviews, please visit bestofbelfast.org. That's it for me for now. It's time to jump straight into our conversation with this week's local legend. Really hope that you enjoy. Uh, David, mate, the first place I'd love to start is what led you to joining the fire service? Right. Maybe that's a very long story. If it is, please, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Right. I, uh, I've i always wanted to be in the fire. I've always wanted to be a firefighter. Mm. There, there, was a, there was a house where I lived in Northwood Parade. There was a house beside us went in fire and uh, I, I was maybe eight or nine at the time. And they seen the firefighters coming up, and uh, it was firemen at the time, you know. Of course, <laughs> but firefighters probably at this day and age. So the firefighters come up, and they were run, and they were all 
very professional and big rough tough and running the burning flames buildings and I says that would be fantastic I'd love to do that and it'd be really challenging and, and you've seen them driving the red fire engines mm. and a lot of respect for them for what they did and they help people and the, the you know the save lives and what have you so I've always wanted to be a fan now it hasn't come easy either because um I went to the I went to the boys' model school and uh, and, and and I wasn't the sharpest tool in the box. Now you know <laughs> I, was, I was I wouldn't be a clever sort of boy like you know. So there was I was in the E stream. So there's A B C D E F G. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, I was sort of a bottom on on average. <laughs> so but went through my, went through my uh, my school days and I worked hard. I believe in working hard at whatever you know was put in front of me. So I got to fifth year and. Back in the day, there they did the CSEs, the CSE board, and then there was the, the, the O levels, the old O levels, GCSE now or whatever there is now. So um, I did the CSEs, and uh, Andy McMoran, actually the football coach, I did my CSEs, and I got four grade ones, two twos, and two threes. And he says, "Listen, you, you have more, and you know you could stay by and, and do mm. more." So I thought about it, and, and all my, my mates were going out and doing this, that, and our apprenticeships, and earning a wee bit of money, and the mm-hmm. wee cars, and the motor, motorbikes, and all. I says, Flip, I don't know what, uh, I'll stay on. So I stayed on next year and did all my O-levels in one year and got another five wow. O-levels in one year. So I thought, Flip, that's brilliant. So uh, that was really good. But then I wanted to get a job. I wanted money. I, you wanted money in your pocket? Come I wanted on. money in my pocket. And, 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 and they're all running about doing their things. And I says, oh, I need money. And you know, no good. I was living at home and, and my mum and, and obviously my dad was way at sea and what have you. So I got a job in the electricity board. Up on Dainsford, now it's all houses now, you know. I think there's some of it now, it's still electricity, but mainly houses. Where's Dainsford, Stan Millis? Stan Millis, yeah, yeah, yeah. where yeah. the embassy is now. Oh, where's it? What do you mean, embassy? Way, it's a way on up uh, Dainsford, there's lovely big houses. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. It's beside the Ulster Clinic, up near there. Gotcha. So, there was this big building, and, and uh, I went in there initially as uh, a postal clerk, you know, went down nice. and stored the mail, <laughs> and I was, you know, all the mail, all the bills, and all they used to send the bills out and what have you. So, I did that for maybe six That seven. always looked like a crack. Like, I mean, I, I've only ever seen it in movies, but, you know, you seem to be down in the basement with all the other guys. Oh, listen, it was great. Chucking stuff here, chucking it stuff there. It was great because uh, Feeney and there's all the different boys, the postal guys used to go about <laughs> the different departments. But I was stuck in there on this machine and it was like they give you give you 500 bills or whatever and you just had to put it through this machine and it franked it and all the rest. Uh. And it, it, it licked the, the, the paper and all the rest. <laughs> so, oh, it was a nightmare. And see, when it went wrong, it went wrong big time. Oh, and the bad. bills all country up and all so <laughs> back in the day you're going oh this is a nightmare this is me from my whole life in electricity yeah, yeah, yeah. and see back in those days the electricity board was considered to be a very very good job sure. well paid job and you were never getting paid off there's always going to be electric so Aye. worked there and then there was a wee opening came up in the mains record office in, uh, in, in, in Dainsford and this was drawing all the cable routes and all throughout Northern Ireland oh here so uh, I went in and started doing that and uh, that was good and I did that for maybe four years now, I applied to the fire service. The fire service was always in the background, and I always still wanted to be a fireman, firefighter. So uh, here uh, I was a plan, and I think it was six or seven, it was seven times I finished up a plan for fire service. So it's pretty determined to get there. Wow, yeah. So this is throughout my whole career with regards to the, to the different jobs I did. And so anyway, I was back in the electricity board and uh, in the drawing office, mains records office, and doing my thing and all this, and I quite enjoyed it actually as well. And there was another fellow. I don't know. You can mention names in this program. Oh, I work away. There was another fellow at Morris Field. Uh, he's an international rugby player. So oh, class. He sat beside me, and uh, he sat beside me in, in the men's records office. And uh, great fella. He, he's a lovely guy. So we worked away, and then he got a job in the fire service. 
so he went to the fire service so uh, I was still trying to get in trying to get in and, and failing failing at different hurdles you know application or the, the fitness side of things you know it was a lot different in those days with regards to what you had to do mm. the nowadays so I, I got a wee bit fed up with the uh, I got a wee bit fed up with electricity board so I decided uh, I'll work in shorts so I applied for a job in shorts Super. so I went down and worked in shorts uh, Shorelack at the, at the time it was it was, it was a part of shorts and here building the Takano aircraft so uh, we, uh, I went down there, I was working there, and I went through a wee mini apprenticeship. Epic. And, uh, it was great. So I went then and done that, and uh, it, it was good. It, it, I enjoyed it, but early starts, like it was, it was something like half six in the morning, what mm. have you, and you're working all, and it was constant. You had to work yourself forward to go to the toilet and all the rest of it because of the production line and all that sort of wow. stuff. So then I got moved up the flight line. I was working the flight line for a few years, and uh, that, that, that was grand. I was working away at that, but I still wanted to be a firefighter. So uh, still a plan for the fire service, and then they were they were paying off. There was they were making people redundant. Uh, actually, there was there was a wee job in between. Uh, That's a funny one. Actually, <laughs> so, this is a funny one. So what happened was uh, um, I got a bit fed up with shorts, and I met, met, what age was I at the time? Maybe twenty two, twenty three at the time. And here uh, there, there was a job come up for the, the police authority. So it says, uh, as a mapping officer, which I had experience yes. at through the, the, the uh, electricity board. board. Yeah, yeah. So I went, uh, I went the first day. It was, it, it was in River House, sir. You know, in the town. Aye. And uh, I went, uh, got the job. I went on the first day. And here, uh, I went up River House. And uh, I thought to myself, uh, right. And they were going through the basics of the job. And there's three aspects of it. You, you drew the, uh, you went out and drew the plans of the crime. And then you went to court. And then, and then I said to myself, is this for me? This wouldn't be me for me. And the security aspect and all the rest of it back in the day. Oh, why? So uh, I said, this wouldn't be good for me. So I sat and thought about it with home and my sister and all. And I said, no, that's enough. And then the next day and said, then went up the river and says, uh, that jo- this job's not for me, I'm resigning. He says, what? says, uh, I'm resigning. He says, there's thousands of people paid for this job. I says, <laughs> no, I says, look, it's just not for me, the security aspect. I'm just not into that sort of thing. I didn't think it was what it portrayed to be. So uh, it's tried to talk me out of it, and there's no talk me out of it. <laughs> so I said to myself, right, I'll go. So uh, I walked out of River House. That was the only day after I joined. And I was standing, and this is December. Oh, is so this was December. So here, uh, walked out, and I said to myself, flip what I'm going to do myself now. So I looked left, and I looked right. And looking left, there was Jackson's Sports Shop in town. Aye. And I said to myself, I did a lot of windsurfing all in my day. And uh, I says... I'll go down and see Big Ross down there and see if he's any jobs for me. So I went down there and I went down and said to Ross, Ross, explain to him the story. And he says, listen, David, it's come up to Christmas here. I'll give you a job working selling surfboards. And <laughs> I says, right, that's dead on. Happy days. Days. So I worked in there and I phoned Gary Walsh. He called the fella in shorts. I worked. So I phoned Gary and says, Gary, I've made a big mistake here with regards to <laughs> my job. And he says, right, well, what is it? And I says, look, is there any chance of getting back again? So... He went and made a few uh, a few uh, phone calls and, and talked to a few people about having you come back to me that day. Next day, actually, he says, "Have a good news and bad news." The bad news is, uh, oh, sorry, the good news is we can start digging, but the bad news is it has to be January to make things. I just read that's brilliant. So I worked in Jackson's Sports Shop for a few weeks. Epic, mate. And then I went, I went uh, back to Shorts again. And you know what? I went to the same locker and, and all the rest. And the boys were saying, thought you left. I said, no, no. <laughs> Only took a long break for Christmas. You know, so there's <laughs> me back. There's me back and there's uh, me back in Shorts again, working in the flight line again. So here, I'm, I'm probably rambling along a wee bit. But uh, what happened then was Shorts were paying off. The, the canna wasn't going too well. So they were paying off. So... Uh, and I was in the process for the fire service. Mm. So here, I was 1983. 
So uh, April 93, I joined the fire service. So what happened then was... Uh, they says, well, uh, they were paying off people, so I put in for redundancy. So I left the shorts on the Friday and started the fire service on the Monday. Oh, mate. So that was me straight into, straight into the fire service. So and, you got uh, it. Got into the fire service eventually after, I think it was seven times or whatever. What was the hardest part about getting in? Like, what was, you said you it was different what? hurdles. Was yeah, it, there was was it the physical? Was, it the, was there some sort of academic test you had to do? No, well, the, we bit of a combination of a few things. Back in the day there, from what I can remember, you had to expand your chest by two inches, whatever it was, and then you had to carry it, run with a person and, and, and do various other things, you know. So I maybe hit the crossbar once or twice there and that. And then there was there was other times where uh, there was a Maz and English test or whatever it was back in the day, and I failed there and failed once at the interview and just got it because I kept trying and trying sure, and trying yeah. because I believe in something that you, you really want you should really go for it. Yeah. So I think I think I think it got to the stage where they interview him and they actually knew me, you know, because so, <laughs> I've played so many times. I like, go, oh, oh, David, oh, how are Jimmy, you? Mate? You're back again, right? Oh, back again. So here, hi. So they give me the job. I think I felt sorry for me actually. So they give me the job eventually, and uh, I get into the fire service. I think it's due to my persistence as well. You know, the, the seven times or whatever they're saying, this fellow must really want this job. Mm. Like it's not just a, it's a, it's it's a job for him, right? You know. So, so uh, you finally get in, right? How did expectation meet reality? Absolutely fabulous. I, I've i loved, and I mean this, and I know there'll probably be person, people in the fire service listening to this, but I've loved every day in the fire service. It's one of those jobs, for me anyway, where I would get up every morning and there wouldn't be one day, I wouldn't say there'd be one day where uh, I've not wanted to go into work. And I wow. mean that in all sincerity, you know, a lot. And people who do know me will understand mm-hmm. that. And uh, even from now, and saying that, the basic training, we were up in Westland at the time, it's different now, it's down in the Boucher Road. So up in Westland at the time, and uh, it, it was the, f- the first day, and you're standing there, and there was an officer, Jackie Barrett, I don't mind saying. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought I was shaved properly, like, you know, he says, get you shaved, and all the rest of it. And I had nothing in me to get you. So I ended up going over to a wee local shop and getting the big razors, and, I was really, and, and they were really, really fussy back in it, you know, so... Uh, that was my, that was, I mean, this is going to be some outfit this here, like, you know, on the really beasties you can around the yard and, you know, and all that. And you thought, well, you have to be like us to be the, the tough fireman that you want to be, like, you know. So, uh, yes, the training was very hard at the time, you know, and uh, in reflection, looking back on it, you know, it was a good grounding for me within the fire service, you know. So, but I enjoyed it, you know, and that camaraderie with the, with the group of people that I came through with, you know, uh, they, they were all fantastic. The, the, the guys on my course were, were great and mm. we gelled well together and we looked out for each other, helped each other and the different different boys had different different aspects with regards to, you know, their their, their employment backgrounds and they were able to help each other and, and push each other on throughout the, you know, the, I think it was 13 weeks at the time or 16 weeks, whatever it was. And then you got your post into your station, you know, wherever you were going to. And that was the whole thing. So I got posted to Blue Watch Springfield, you know, so uh, and that was one of the busy stations back in the day. You yeah, know, yeah. it was one of the busy ones, you know, so there was a lot of derelict houses and a lot of this, that and the organ on up there. So I was posted to there and uh, I went through my whole career there, actually. Wow. So I was one of one of one of the very few people that it happened to where I was a firefighter, a crew commander, a watch commander, a station commander. All in uh, Blue Watch and Springfield, you know, so, uh, and that's where I am uh, in Springfield now, you know, still at it, you know, so yeah. 27 years down the line, really, you know, so, but I've enjoyed every moment of it. It's, it's been great and it's been good to me. It's been good to my family with regards to holidays and, and, and mm. houses and all the rest of it. So, uh, no, I can't complain about uh, great. my employment. I've loved every moment of it. How's your career changed as you've gone up the ladder as such? 
Right. Well, what what you can go in, you can go into the fire service as a firefighter and stay as a firefighter. You know, and, mm-hmm. and listen, that's the the that's the the sharp end of the, of the organisation. There are the boys going out and girls going out and doing the business, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, often often under underlooked because you know. They've stayed at that level. Listen, you need good firefighters. You know mm-hmm. that that's the bread and butter stuff that we need. So, but I decided, I decided if, uh, maybe twelve years into my into my career, I'm going to try and do exams and, and what have you, and uh, and try and better myself. You to say. So I went to night night class and what have you because it wasn't the sharpest tool in the box as I said. <laughs> so I went to, I went to night tech and took uh, and took up uh, institute leadership management programs and different other. ECDL courses and just tried to better myself and I, I always remember sitting over in, in, in one of the rooms in Springfield and boys coming over to me and uh, they were saying to me about uh, what are you doing uh, what are you doing this for <laughs> we're all over here enjoying ourselves and you're sitting there writing this out in the arm blah 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 I says look I'm just, just trying it for myself I want to better myself and what have you know so uh, I went and done the Institute Leadership Management level 3 and level 5 and as I say, various other, various other courses, management courses and what have you. And uh, I did fire service exams as well, you know, and I managed to get uh, crew commander post in my own watch. Nice. So, uh, and listen, with that, it brings diff- a different aspect of the job. You know, you're with a crew commander in charge of one of the plans back in the day there. So uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And it didn't initially because you were sort of distant and you were telling the men what to do and they were yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you weren't like that when you were a firefighter and yeah. all the rest. And somewhat harder to do on your own watch because yes, they knew your personality. Yeah. They knew what you were like and, and all that. She used to mess about and all, look at you now, you know. Yeah. And, who do you think you are? Uh, who do you think you are, big <laughs> lad? No, I'll say. But uh, listen, I was always surrounded by good officers, big Gabriel Ferguson and John Lamb and, and, and Ferris Oller boys and they were good, good to ground you and, and they, they looked out for you. Give a good top cover with regards to the watch and indeed the watch was brilliant it mm. changed a lot in this day now but uh, the, the, the really good watch to be on like you mm. know and the boys ex- accepted me well and I'm sure they called me a lot of things behind me <laughs> <laughs> but hey it was all in good, in good nature you know and uh, so I progressed up and thought this isn't too bad you know we wouldn't mind taking charge of, of uh, a watch should I say so uh, and when you say a watch what does that actually mean? a watch would be back, back in those you know maybe there, there's red, white, blue, and green watching in every station there, you know, okay. in, in Belfast. Uh, the whole time watches. So, obviously, different watches, different stations have a different amount of personnel, different amount of people. So, in Springfield, uh, in Springfield, there was maybe, there's now well, there's 12 people or whatever. So, one watch would be, you know, 12 people and nine on duty or eight on duty, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So, you would be, as the watch commander, then in charge of the watch. So you'd be in charge of the running, the daily running of the watch and gotcha. all the activities and all that. And then you'd have your crew commanders below you and then the firefighters. Uh, so you're in charge of, you're in charge of what goes on in the watch and you're you're accountable for your watch or whatever, you know. And then over the station you'll have the station commander. Yeah. So he'll be in charge of the four watches as such. Ah, so you've right. got your firefighter, you've got your crew commander in charge of the, the, the one machine as such in that station. And then you've got your watch commander in charge of the two, your plans. Well, there's actually three in Springfield. There's, there's a, a, an area of plans. Oh, well. So he'll be in charge of those. And then you've got your station commander who's in charge of the four watches, you know, and then you go on the district road and all. Aye. So uh, so decided to go for the, the watch commander's role. And I got it. I got it my own watch. Or, nice. you know, so, uh, but it was hard to choose to follow because there was, there was a, a big lad, as I said to you before, Gabriel Ferguson, and he he was a lovely man. And then Mark Watson, he was now a great watch commander, really good, grounded people, like, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was various other ones that did it temporary as well. And 
good people, you know, good, yeah. good, good, good firefighters, yeah. you know, in the day there, you know. What sort of shifts do you, are you, are you working all that time? Because is it something like a four on, four off or right, what do well, you do? Now, obviously being, being the station commander, now, it's different. My shifts are a lot different uh, over the four week cycle. You do different things, you yeah. know, working, you know, 24 hours a day, this type of thing. Whereas the, the watches back, they've changed there. They changed there a few years ago to, to different hours. Now they're the same. You work two days and two nights and four days off. So we'll take, for example, on a Monday, you'll go in at 9 o'clock, work mm-hmm. to 6 o'clock, and then you go home. You come in on a Tuesday, 9 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and then you go home. Mm-hmm. Then you come in the Wednesday night at 6 o'clock at night to ah, 9 in the morning. Ah, right. Go in that night again, 6 to 9 in the morning, and then you're off for 4. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. Start on Tuesday again at 9, nine to 6. Nine to six. Gotcha. So it moves on, you know, yeah. so it moves on one day every... So... Uh, that was the shifts. That's the shifts uh, as as firefighters, you know. And it's still today. Now it's it's eight to six now. You know they're yeah. working a wee bit, you know, due to the, the, the risk and all the rest. Of it. So they're working from eight to six and uh, and and vice versa, six to eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. So just slightly different with that hour, really, you know. But that's yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the way that's the way the shifts work. And and with the shifts, you know, and. For me, anyway. For me, anyway, it was very, it was very family friendly with the guards because you had your, you had your four days off, Aye. and you're running about, you know, you're running about doing whatever you want to do in your four days off, and, yeah. and uh, enjoying your life and doing whatever, climbing mountains or doing whatever you're doing, like you know. So uh, I enjoyed my time off, but I enjoyed my time being there, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it was always a great career. It was always great, and as I say, the boys in Springfield at the time, they were, they were always. They were fantastic and yeah, it was yeah, good yeah. camaraderie. And you used to go into work and, and they had a laugh and they're all practical jokes and they're on the, <laughs> they're on the everything, like, you know. So uh, it was quite fun back in the day there, you know, but uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Would you it say that your handiness really helped you? Like you mentioned as a boy, you know, hanging the photos up and being outside and cleaning the bike aye, well, up. Did, obviously did that the, help? Aye, well, obviously at, at, at the firefighter level, you know, there is a lot of practical, th- obviously it's a practical job mm. and you have to think on your feet, you know, because... It's one of those jobs where it's... And the only thing I can explain to people is it's one of those jobs where you don't know what you'll be doing in two months' time. Wow, You don't... Yeah. You, like, you could be sitting... <laughs> like, and listen, that's not for everybody. Some people like to go into an office or whatever and they know what they're doing Aye. every minute of the day. Yeah. Whereas the fire service is one of those careers where... You could go in with all the best intentions of doing X, Y, and Z yeah. and come out doing something totally different. <laughs> you know, because you could you could get a call at, at one minute past nine or whatever case may be, one minute past eight, nine and and go go to a road traffic collision or mm. you could be you could be a house fire, you could be you could be you could be doing anything, mm-hmm. you know, which some people don't like that because they mm. like the routine and, and it's not it's not routine because you could be setting off to do a, a home fire safety check and next thing a call comes in and you're you're standing with a building on fire and you, you have to think dynamically with regards yeah, to what you're yeah, faced yeah. with. Yeah. So with regards to the practical aspect of it, there is a lot of practical sides. So, you know, you, you see the, the public see that the firefighters edit these calls and everything's in place and all the rest of it, but that has to be put in place. You, know, you have to connect the hose right back to the basics. Aye. You have to connect the hose. You have to you know, feed the, the plants with water. You have to do all this. Yeah. So there is a big practical nature, up and down ladders and all the rest of it. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's a very a very physical job as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, lifting various pieces of equipment and, and up and down ladders. And What's the longevity for a, a firefighter, like, in terms of age? Like, how old... Can you typically stay boots on the ground? Health dependent. Well, of obviously, there, there's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of changes with regards to the fire service. Uh, you know, it, it used to be 50. Now it's, it's 55. And what have you? Pension wise, you know, or mm-hmm. 30 year service. So uh, a lot of them go because 
if they stay on after pension age, obviously there's financial implications mm-hmm. to that. So a lot of them tend to go, say, at 55 or whatever, mm-hmm. or when they have 30 years service done. Yeah. So, uh, and, and a lot of them retire and have, have a, a, a long, sort of happy retirement, what have yeah, you. Know, yeah. And saying that, you know, back, back, back when I joined the job, you know, that... The safety of it, the health and safety of it wasn't, whilst it was probably good at the time, now they're a lot more, you know, conscious with regards to what you're exposed to, the risk you're exposed mm-hmm. to, and weren't breathing apparatus of car fires and all that sort of stuff where a lot of stuff went on, you know, back in the day there where you just took it as normal. You sure, were, yeah. You took a lot of smoke in and yeah. you were considered, you know, a smoke eater, you know, get in there and take a bit of that smoke, you know, yeah. all this stuff. But obviously that's not the case now, you know, there's yeah. a lot of health and safety implications to it yeah. and, and, and they're looking after people the, the fire service look after people with regards to health and, and well-being should I mm-hmm. say because mm-hmm. they want those firefighters to live long and yeah yeah uh, and, and you know retirement. we're probably a lot more aware now of the it, the small wee tiny bits that add up over 30 years That's you know exactly. it's you, you like, go to a car fire and not wear apparatus you may think okay well i can do it once or twice yeah but you do it over 30 years it's probably do it over 30 years yeah. you know it's Big problematic trouble. with regards to what you're faced with you know and and listen i would be very conscious about that especially with my own health there i'd be very conscious about with regards to firefighters and i'd be constantly and put that mask on or put that breathing apparatus on mm. and don't be exposing yourself to that or whatever just looking out for them with regards to mm-hmm. and more so even the new the new firefighters in the job where they might feel oh no that's not cool that's not you know, no uh, that's not the case get yourself protected because you want to live long and, and healthy retirement yeah. never mind in the job you want to because you know, <laughs> yeah. that's what you're eventually working towards obviously your retirement and, and a happy life and, and, and long life you know mm-hmm. so no, health, your health is most important because you can be exposed to getting into all these buildings and you don't know what's burning and mm-hmm. you don't know what you're exposed to and even down to asbestos and different sorts of things. because we're, we're in things. quite an old city. This is it. You know? And then back in the day there were, were all the derelicts were on fire and you were getting in taking a bit of smoke and you were knocking ceilings down and even car fires you're exposed to whatever plastics are burning and what's mm-hmm. on. You know, so as I say... Nowadays, they're a lot more conscious about it and, and they're very proactive with regards to what they're That's doing great. in the fire service. Back in those days, they probably were at that particular moment Aye. in time, but it wasn't as it wasn't prevalent with regards to your your, sure, yeah. your health. And, and listen, the, the systems were probably there, but it's just the firefighters being the firefighters back then. <laughs> they were just, no, we're rough and tough and we're, we're going to yeah. do this, that and the you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But luckily, look, it's changed. A lot's changed in the job. Yeah. You know, I'm changed for the good as well. What um, What sort of work... Are you involved in when you're not in the station and you're not in the engine? Because there's a whole kind of big piece to the firefighter. Right. That so I as think a, people right. don't really. So as a state now, as as a station commander, it'd be to, it'd be totally different to the, the firefighters. So people see people inevitably see the firefighter and and the, at calls and what have you, and they see right understand. What do they do the rest of the time? Well, let me tell you, their their day is totally filled with things to do. Yeah, and because uh, I think well, my perception growing up, especially was. It was just everyone hanging out in the station, lifting weights all day. I wish it was. I wish it was. I wish it was. Not that's certainly not the case. There's a lot of proactive stuff that the fire service do that goes on, and that's why, with the award I got, you know, I'd like to praise all the, the, the firefighters and all for the work they do. It's for the work that public don't see them doing. Mm. Now, for instance, I'll give you an example of a few things. So, with with a typical day, if they're not going to the fire calls. Uh, which can be dynamic enough. You, you come in, I said to you before, you know, you could be away doing this, that, and the other and not get your X, Y, and Z done. So they're very proactive with regards to visits in the community and promoting the community with regards to 
safety and, and fire safety. With regards to home fire safety checks, they're doing a certain amount of fire safety checks going out and uh, fitting, fitting smoke alarms on premises and seeing what pe- how people are living, giving them reassurance with regards to fire safety. Mm-hmm. They're doing school talks. They're doing, they're doing public talks. They're, they're talking at old people's homes. They're doing a whole lot of proactive training uh, yeah. with regards to honing their skills in. They're doing umpteen things. Like People think the fire service, they're just sitting about waiting for the call. They're certainly not doing that. <laughs> no, they're very proactive what to do, and their, their day is actually filled with things to do. Their checks on the machine, their, their checks on their equipment, everything everything is, is squeezed into the day now. Yeah. And to be honest, they don't get a minute with regards to what they're doing. And they're, they're doing risk assessment, such as new buildings up or whatever, they're going to assess these buildings to see what we could be faced with. Mm-hmm. The public don't see that. They don't see the fire. They see them maybe. And, and do you know what the big thing was? And it used to annoy me back in the day where. Oh, sure, we're seeing you down in Tesco's and, and getting your food and all the rest of it. Well, the thing is, we're practically living there for four days. Sure. So we'll have to eat. Yeah. So they, they, they may see them They may see them early one morning and uh, getting the food. And then they may see a other watch the next day because of the change yeah, in the shifts. Yeah, right. So they're got thinking, you, got flip you. me there out again, get yeah. the shopping, blah, that's all yeah. they seem to do, shop. There's four watches, yeah. and they all have to eat, so that they will get their shop. But even even now, things are so tight now. Whereas when when the firefighters go shopping, they're actually being proactive. They're handing out leaflets mm-hmm. with regards to community safety in, in the shopping centres mm-hmm. and offering free home fire safety checks and what have you to the yeah. general public. So they're not sitting about, and they're not. They're, they're certainly not doing that, and they're certainly not lifting weights all day. <laughs> so as I say. Uh, and that's, that's definitely not the case, you sure. know. So, uh, well, like you said, well, you used this phrase earlier on. I obviously loved it. You said the sharp edge. I love that. Yeah. But you guys are really on the sharp edge of even the community because you're going into people's homes. You're this interacting with and, people. And listen, I, I can't commend the, 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 every side of the community in Northern Ireland for the uh, the generosity and and the, the actual the welcoming of, of all the public in Northern Ireland everywhere. But you hear this both sides of the community. Well, in our in our world, there's only one community: is the whole community. So, as I say, there's very, very, very rarely cases where people wouldn't let you in their houses because mm-hmm. we've got that trust, and we have to earn that trust with yeah. regards to the public. We're going into their houses, and and they could have things laying about. We have to be trusted as firefighters with regards to what we're doing mm-hmm. and what we could be exposed to. You know, the people are putting the trust in us, so we trust them and we, we trust what we're doing. Yeah. And we trust our firefighters with what they're doing. Yeah. So, uh, and, and that that's paramount because people, you know, the, the, the sharp end, should I say, is with regards to the firefighters going out and doing the businesses, as I call it, with regards to the, the fires and, and the things that they're exposed to. Well, the, the public are putting their trust in us to, to do the. There's nothing behind us. There's nobody mm. come behind us to, mm. to, to fix it. Do you know, wow. if, if there's a house fire, you can't walk away and say, it's still on fire, we can't do anything with it. Yeah. We have to get it out. Yeah. And same as buildings, same as road traffic collisions, same as suicides, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is nobody following us. So, But uh, but listen, in saying that, we're backed up really, really well by the ambulance service and police service and what have you, mm-hmm. and the heart team and what have you. you know, there, there's a lot, And even the voluntary, the voluntary sector, there's a lot of good you know, search and rescue teams and lag and search and what have you. There's a lot, of, and we're all working together with regards to the, the common, the, the safety of the public in Northern Ireland. So uh, it's not just a fire service, it's a combination of a whole lot of different agencies, stat agencies with yeah. regards to what we're trying to achieve. And, yeah. and we should be supporting each other, you know, because, you know, it's, it's not them and us. It shouldn't be them and mm-hmm. us. It should be everybody together and working together for the safety of the public in Northern Ireland, which yeah. is what we're working towards, you yeah. know. Uh, You've had a, a couple of really big fires recently. 
Well, the, the last few years. Well, the the, the big one. Or sorry, the, maybe more high profile, should I say? Than uh, well, the big one was the, the pre-market incident uh, uh, in recent. Now, people say to me about big incidents. You know, a, a, that may be big incident with regards to property and what have Aye. you. But a bigger incident to me would be a loss of life Absolutely. or something like a house fire where there is a, a tragic loss of life, mm-hmm. which is a big fire to me. You know, and a, 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 a big call to me because. Yeah. You know, you're faced with that. You're faced with people's emotions. You're faced mm-hmm. with, you know, a building is a building, and obviously you're going to try and save anything sure. that we're putting. It's our job. Yeah. But uh, the bigger calls, the bigger calls for me are, are are the suicides or the road traffic collisions or people unfortunately lose their lives, things like that. There. I they're, to they're ask you about calls. that. When you mentioned the suicides, what is your involvement in that? Well, we would be we would be called to assist uh, different other agencies with regards to to, to uh, suicide, such as uh, depending on where the, the people are. You know, mm. they could be up trees, or they yeah. could be on top of buildings, yeah. or st- on river banks, or whatever. You know, it's so it's just it's very hard. Real it's very, tough. Some, and, and I must praise uh, praise the firefighters for for the job they do with regards to that, and the dignity they have with regards to that, and the emotions they hold within themselves with mm-hmm. regards to the calls that they're exposed to, because do you know. It's not just the one. It could be. It could be a series of calls like that. Yeah. And it's that build up. It's that build up that could lead to mental problems. Yeah. Which we don't want to be faced with. And the fire service at the moment are very proactive with regards to the yeah. the, the, the uh, mental well being of their employees. Yeah. So it's it's those so calls that are that that are that are emotionally draining yeah. on, on on people. Now the building fires, as I say, they're big. The yeah. Premark fire, obviously, the lot. Well, I've been I've been at several recently, but the uh, the Primark fire was the the big one in the headlines with mm-hmm. regards to uh, what the firefighters were um, um, exposed to and what the, what they were faced with, and the longevity of it. You know, it spread over a certain amount of days or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so and the complexities of it with regards to the old building and yeah. signs of collapse on it and all that sort of stuff. You know, and the safety of the firefighters, safety of the public. Mm-hmm. That was that was a big one. Obviously, that went out, out on the news and what have you. Yeah. you know, so, well. See, this is a really stupid question, but see, on a real prolonged incident like that, yeah, how does the shift change work? Right. Okay. So. What happens is, uh, and, and I must praise, I must praise another the, the the Red Cross and, and various other agencies with regards to these these long incidents. And there's a thing called the phase vehicle, uh, the, the the emergency vehicle, and it comes out if there's going to be now. Obviously, it's a bigger scale, like the Primark. I'm taking that for example. Now, if there's an incident, we're going to be here for for hours. You just say we've got the phase vehicle comes out, uh, fire victim support vehicle. And it, it supplies the firefighters with first aid feeding and what have you, you know, because we still have to be fed when we're out there. Like, you, know, like, you can't go on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And as I say, there's second stage feeding, you, you can go and get fish and chips, whatever the case may be. So with regards to this shift change, so what happens is the officer in charge will look at the time of the day. And if, if people are, now, obviously, if, if we go to a call at, say, say five to six or whatever, 10 to six, the firefighters go to a call, the engines go, obviously you can't say, right, six o'clock, we're all going home. Yeah, can't yeah, 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 yeah. So, they would go on, they, they would work on until, and if it's going to be protracted, if the incident's going to be longer, say, than seven, eight, nine o'clock, what to look for a relief crews. So the oncoming crew that's going on the station, they'll be on the station waiting. Yeah. So what we'll do is ferry them people on on a, on a, on a plans or whatever yeah. and slowly rotate the crews so we've got the crew that's meant to be on. Gotcha. At that particular moment in time, they're all on shift and the crew that were initially at the call, they're all off shift then. So they'll mm-hmm. come back at whatever time and then they'll go home with clean their gear or whatever. And then there you go. go. Easy as that. Easy as that. But it's harder, easy to do, you know but it's harder to do. It's harder to do out there because you could be looking at 50 or 60 firefighters all from different wow. stations and you're going, right, we need a plan to go from that one to that one, release that, a yeah. plan to do that, that, that a plan isn't supplying water, we need that to ferry that oh, crew man. to there. 
that's where it becomes a wee a slight bit more tricky with the guards. Sure, yeah. But listen, there's a lot. There's there's handymen in the job as well, and they come in PCs and, and personal carriers, and and we can get all that sort of sorted out at that end. Yeah. But uh, more trickier when. It's a dynamic stage of the incident where everybody is actually doing something because mm-hmm. we can't really release people at that mm-hmm. stage. We'll have to wait to, the, you know, not the closing stage, but we'll have to wait to a, like a leveling out stage where, right, we can start releasing that crew to get another crew in. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing that we're looking at, you sure, know. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's more more complex than you think and the, the, the public don't see that either. Yeah. But listen, on on the pre-mark fire, I, I, I'd like to commend the, 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 uh, some, of the, some of the premises in Belfast for supporting the fire service with regards to the food and all that. Like they, were, they, were roll, they were rolling up constantly with, with coffee and, and, and uh, burgers and, and different shops were, were offering different things. Like that's remarkable. Yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just fantastic. And, and listen, do you know what? Uh, the firefighters on the ground, they really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Because like you're in the dynamic stage of any incident, like they're working hard. They're working hard to put all the systems in place and, and try and contain that fire. But with that, like their energy levels are being zapped, really drained. Yeah. There's nothing better than somebody come up to you. Do you want a wee cup of tea or whatever? Obviously, when it levels out a bit, you know, cup of tea or or there, there's a biscuit or package. Scram this burger and whatever. Into you. <laughs> whatever, get that burger, whatever. But uh, there's nothing better, you know, than looking, even looking at seeing that face fake and going, oh, brilliant, there's a hot cup of tea. Yeah. And, the, and the, you know, when, when, when people are sleeping safely in their beds, the fire service are out there, you know, they could be at a house fire, they could be at something tragedy, mm-hmm. and the, the wind and the rain and the snow's lashing down on them mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. You know, it's not pleasant working conditions. Sure, yeah. You just see a wee hot cup of tea. Oh, brilliant. There's a hot cup of tea. You know, a bit of warmth, like, you know. So You talked earlier about the the build-up of emotion and the build-up of, you know, over a long period of time dealing with difficult incidents. Yeah. How did you let some of that out personally? How do you drain that sort of build-up in your Um, life? I would be one of the critical uh, stress managers within the organisation as well and I would do talks, uh, say there's various systems in place within the fire service with regards to supporting their colleagues with regards to mental illness and not letting it try and not let it get to the stage where they need external help from, mm-hmm. from really good sources within the community. So we would go out and initially debrief crews with regards, well the, the watch commander who was in charge initially would do a, a debriefing session should say mm-hmm. or critical incident debriefing session and then there would be uh, critical incident stress managers will go out on a follow up three or four days later and have a word with the crews with regards to uh, their mental well-being and, and notice different things, uh, different traits that, that they have and have stopped doing. Or, or and, and there's no better for that than to watch, look after themselves, their own colleagues to say, listen, so-and-so's, he's not the same today or mm-hmm. she's not the same today or whatever. And do you know what? Sometimes it's just that asking the question, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Is everything all right? So with that, the critical and stress management policy with regards to the fire service can out and critical stress managers can out, it's just just give the, the reassurance to the crews that there's additional help out there. Mm-hmm. Now, I would not be I, I would not be a psychologist. Or I would not be a professional with regards to you know that. Yeah, yeah. But listen, sometimes it's just letting people know that there's so many cares out there, and yeah. and, and you know, and looking after their their mental well being, and t- tell them to do things that in life is which what what I do is with regards to. What I surround myself in is trying to surround myself in positive people and surround myself in things I like doing. You know, out walking the hills, training, motorcycles. I, I, I like all keeping busy, keeping active in my life, windsurfing. I like doing all stuff that that it takes your mind off the job for a while as such, you know. Now, the job has never got to me with regards to mental, uh, luck enough, such a but as I say... 
you know, some people could turn to drink and what have you, which is the wrong way to deal with it. You know, it's a temporary thing and it's more of a negative thing. Yeah. Whereas surround yourself with positive ask should it be photography should it be whatever whatever yeah, yeah. floats your boat should I say <laughs> and and do that and have that outlet with regards to uh, your own personal life because you really need that you don't need to be going home after a, a series of incidents and sitting in the house and and, and thinking about those incidents because mm-hmm. that's when the mental health starts to impact in your life yeah and you don't want to get that stage yeah and saying that the fire service have got external agencies that, that help with that yeah. yeah but it's trying to identify it before it gets to that stage and putting the measures in place to stop that happening do you think a lot of those measures you had in place through your work and because of your work did they help you get through your cancer uh or tell me about that journey because I know nothing about that. Okay, right. So that's one. So what happened there was um, uh, I felt a, a slight lump in my neck, and uh, didn't often talk about this in the job, you know. But and I'm telling you in front of in front of people, the uh, a slight lump in my neck, and I thought, right, I'll go down and get this checked out. So uh, I did, and uh, the doctor at the time says, no, it's just a swollen gland or what have you, mm. and uh, you'll be okay, you'll be fine. You yeah. Know, and, oh, right. So. Back then, you thought oh, the doctors are, you know, and undoubtedly they are very clever people. And uh, but anyway, I was away and I was doing my own thing, and uh, I was actually in a job one night in the fire service at a car fire, and uh, I got a, a slight bit of metal in my eye, whatever it was. It was just a wee, wee scratch in my eye, and what have you. And here uh, I said, I better go to the doctor because of blurred vision, whatever. So I went down, and just coincidentally, coincidentally, there was a standing doctor that day. Crazy. And she actually, she actually just held my face up to look into my eye I says what's that wee lump I says no I've got that checked out it's okay that's that's a swollen gland or whatever blah 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 right I says I was down for the metal in my eye we're here about so uh, he says aye well we'll get the metal sorted out but have you and uh, it's just a wee scratch but we'll check that so within a fortnight um, I was in the city hospital and they took the lump out and it was cancerous so I thought that was the end of it. I thought, right, uh, that, in and uh, out. That was it. Yeah. Job done. I thought, well, that was, that was <laughs> So about a month later, I got a, a letter through um, from uh, a Mr. Primrose up in the Royal at ENT, and uh, it was to come in to finalise the operation. So I was thinking, this fellow's got this wrong here, you know, the operation, you know. So at the time, I went up with my sister. Uh, I was married at the time. So I looked at my sister and I said to, I uh, went down with Mr Primrose and he says, yes, we're just in to, to finalise. I says, no, I'm sorry, you've got it wrong. But I've had the operation, you know, I'm, I'm fine. He says, no, with that type of cancer, that uh, we're going to have to get it out. We're going to have to take more out than expected. So that was a big shock to me. So uh, <coughs> they went down from my ear the whole way around wow. my neck and uh, they, they took out the submandibular gland and various other glands and what have you in my face. And um, so that was fine. So I was in the hospital, obviously. And uh, then I went for my checkups every month, three months, six months, and five years. So I went through all those checkups and uh, jacking my wife. Uh, at, at, at the time, at the time we, we weren't we weren't married. So what what happened was, uh, uh, yes, at the time we weren't. So she was going up with me constantly to the hospital and what have you, and it was it was terrible. It was horrendous. Those. Uh, those days going up and sitting there and, and just waiting to be checked, you know, for, mm-hmm. for what I had. So a fortnight before I was married, a fortnight before I was married, it was the final five-year checkup up with <sighs> Mr. Primrose in, in, uh, in the Royal. 
uh, what was the level, eight, seven or eight or whatever level. So I uh, went down, and a lovely man since retired. So uh, we sat down and, yes, they were getting married in a, in a fortnight's time. And, oh, yes, yes, and we planned to do this, that and the other and da-da-da. So then he felt another lump. So, um. so it was back. So cancer was back again. So uh, I explained to him, you know, I'm due to get married here in two and a half, it was two and a half weeks. So uh, then what happened was uh, I was straight into the operating theatre and uh, opened up again and took out uh, more of the cancer. So then it says, okay, did to really get it this time, what we need to do is do uh, radiotherapy. Yeah. So we, went, we only went away for a week on a honeymoon as such. We planned to do a lot more, but uh, went away on a week's honeymoon and uh, came back and I was straight on the beaver. It's, it's since since been removed now, it's housing now. So straight on the beaver and uh, um, radiation for six weeks. And I stayed working throughout all that. <sighs> So I was going, at the time it was Gabriel Ferguson was was the watch commander as such, a stage commander, he called him, it. he was in charge of the watch. And used to release me in the high reach of plans and the early plans and used to go up and get my uh, radiotherapy and back and I used to rest for a while and then slowly my hair and all started to fall out and, mm. but the fellas were brilliant, they were great, they fully supported me through the whole thing and used to go out and he used to, he used to wind up don't, don't stand near him look at, look at the state of his head <laughs> and all that and, you know he used to you know, flip sick clear your locker out you know you're, you're not going to be here and all that you know or else like you know and can I have your boots and all that oh, so, like, you know, so, so uh, dark oh no so dark like you know but that's the humour got us through you know I used to laugh at, I used to laugh at back in the day and oh, give over and what have you know but that was my uh, that was my experience uh, with the cancer and then back onto the back onto the regime every month three months six months and then after five, it was clear. So the, then they give you the, you know, they the all clear as such. Yeah. So um, then just continued, uh, continued with my life and, and yeah. uh, filled it full of things that, um, because I've had that scar, Aye. and it made you really appreciate life. I've always appreciated life, but appreciate it even more mm-hmm. with how fragile life can be and mm-hmm. and and how much it can be taken away from you and how soon it can be taken away from you. So. Uh, I've really enjoyed so so obviously as people might know me from this year my hobbies traveling really you know, I, travel all over the world I, before we started recording you were talking about bucket lists bucket lists and bucket your, list. your gripe with them that, my whole gripe <laughs> with bucket lists people say to me and obviously pending your your, your obviously financial and your, your, your personal life with regards to what you can do and what you can't do in life but I'm always a firm believer in not having bucket lists and, and just doing something you know whenever you want to do it if you can do it financially what mm-hmm. I was explaining to you before Go and do it because, you know, you can get bad news tomorrow, you get bad news next week or whatever, mm-hmm. and it, it may stop you doing that. Maybe not Maybe not with regards to life, but with regards to your health. You get something to happen to you and you, you might not be able to travel, you might not be able to do that thing that you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've, I've, I've grasped life, uh, I've grasped life to the full and, and tried to do most of the things of, of, uh, I've wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been very supported by uh, Jack and my wife and mm-hmm. anything I want to do, I'll go and do it. And yeah get the support from her and, and vice versa and what have you, you know. So those of you have bucket lists and all, well, it's a good, maybe good to have, but if you want to do something, you know, heat of the moment, go and do it. Sure. And I think, like, I think there is a real mindset and temptation among people with career jobs where I'll do it in retirement, I'll do it in retirement, yeah, I'll retirement, do it in retirement. You know, but you seem to have kind of... Uh, sp- Spruiking your retirement up and sprinkle it uh, out through yeah. your life. Do you know what I mean? This is it because you know pe- people wait for retirement. What, what, what with retirement and any retirement, and this is a fact that people get older, mm. health problems start to develop. Hopefully not, but they they start to develop, and you might not be as healthy in five years' time as you are now. So 
if the opportunity arises now to do something, go and do it. Mm. Go and do it. And that's why I say to you all, and the number for this, go and do it. Do it now. And if it excites you to do it, and you can do it, as I keep saying to you financially and, and the support of your family, go and do it. Mm-hmm. Because in that retirement, which you, you, everybody's working towards, it may not lend to uh, you being so uh, healthy to do that sort of thing that you fancy yeah. to do. Yeah. You know, so that's where I would uh, I would, I would, firmly push, push yeah. everybody down that. Go and do it. Yeah. You know. What would you say the most successful moment has been so far? Uh, bar, bar, bar my marriage and what have you, you know, uh, uh, my family, very supportive family. Um, I was up on, uh, well, two years ago or whatever, I was up in Everest Base Camp and Class. I did that. And uh, this year I was, I was away over and I summoned Mount Blanc. So, uh that was very hard. It was very hard and very demanding, you know, with regards to the challenges that you were faced with. And you had to dig deep with regards to uh, the physical aspect of that. You know, people don't understand. And like I have every admiration for these people who are climbing Everest and climbing various other over 8,000 metre mountains. Mm. Because uh, you always thought before you, you actually you actually tried one now. I mean, up to 8,000, you've been up to, up to ne- nearly six with regards to the, the highest altitude I've been up to. But the demand that puts on the body is unbelievable, and people just don't realise yeah. high physical demand. And like climbing that, going up that summit there, you know, you started for the summit from the high camp at maybe two in the morning, and you're only summoning at seven. And every pace was, every foot in front of the other foot was an absolute nightmare. Wow. And it's in, in solid darkness with just a head torch on, and you're just walking up through the snow, and you had to dig deep in your mind with regards to. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Why know. was it done at night time? Because the summit, well, you can't really do it during the day because of the heat of the, the sun really? and the snow and it create, creates the avalanches My and what goodness. have you. So there, there's a plan, you know, obviously it was an organised event that and uh, there's only a few of us actually made that claim. So mm. um, a lot of people don't make it, yeah. you know, due to physical, the physical aspect yeah. of it. Um, the Everest, the, the base camp was... was I thought well, obviously it was it was slightly easier, and uh, with regards to it's beautiful walking uh, from um, Lukla, Lukla walking right up through the, the the forest and right up the the valley there, you know, mm-hmm. and then obviously through the different villages and stayed in the villages and climatized and went high and slept low and things like that. What do you think in Nepal? It's a different, it's a different, it's it's different a planet, different isn't it? planet altogether. With regards to the way they live and. With regards to things you see and are exposed to, and mm. the, the hygiene, the amount of people, the, it's just fascinating. With regards mm. to the way some people live, and and you realise when you come back to Northern Ireland how well people live with yeah. regards to what they, what they have in life. Absolutely. With regards to Nepal, like they're living on the street, and yeah. a lot of Kathmandu, and you know the, the temples and um, and the way that the, the uh, cremate some people and on full view of everybody and. Mm. Um, it's just a different culture. It's yeah. different, different the way they live, and some fascinating people, lovely people. Really. What, why is it you think you've always been fascinated in other cultures? Have you always had the traveling bug, or did that come later? Yeah, on? no, I've always, I've always liked to travel and, and always experience not the normal holidays. Not, not, not that there's anything wrong with normal holidays. <laughs> to say two weeks, that, that that's fine. That, that's wonderful. People who like that, and yeah. I get very bored being in one place. You know, so mm-hmm. I would tend to have this wee thing that spend a maximum of three nights in, in a, a place and then move on, you know. Um, and I, I and, and listen, if, if you go to wherever and, and enjoy it for two weeks, that's fine. Yeah. If that's what you like doing. Sure. You know, 
my wife often says to me, it'd be lovely to have a holiday rather than an adventure, <laughs> you know, because we're always on the move and always yeah, yeah. doing things and a million mile an hour. I was, I was once quoted as being a, a firework in a, in, a, in a shoebox, you know, just constantly bouncing <laughs> about, you know. So uh, I, I just like life so much and like to cram so much in. Not everybody's cup of tea, by the way. Like, you know, it's, sometimes it's nice to relax as well, but yeah. I would get to maybe an hour or two on, on a beach and then that's me. Bang, right, I have to do something all right. and doing whatever windsurfing or waiting in motorbikes mm-hmm. or doing something mm-hmm. like you know or traveling as i said yeah if, if i go to a country I, I like to look at you know the whole breadth of the country to get the full experience of the of the the, the, the travel mm-hmm. and travel from so i'm just back from that uh, vietnam trip going from north to south and uh there was motorbikes and there was overnight train journeys and maybe not pleasant at the time but when you look back <laughs> on you know a, a, story a, to tell. <laughs> a, a, a rickety uh, narrow gauge uh, railway train for 14 hours isn't everybody's uh, holiday so but uh, um, uh, it was good at the time and mm. enjoyed the experience enjoyed the, the things that you go through and the people you see and the people you meet and yeah. the, I tend to stay away from the well say the touristy things you know obviously you're embroiled in that a certain amount because some of the things I want to see is, is all in the touristy the Chai Chai Tunnels and Mekong Delta and things like that but I would tend to venture out from from that and, and talk to local people and go mm-hmm. into wee local markets that people are they're making making uh, brushes to sweep floors and they're doing that dan daily and yeah. they're they're making various other things rice paper and and you know picking mon- monkey nuts out of the fields and things like that and obviously that's only one of my trips like there's a lot yeah. of trips there I was away I was away over in Chernobyl there I was away in Chernobyl there and. Uh, November, I think it was. Wow. We were able to see that in Kiev. It was a lovely country, beautiful country for uh, to visit. And uh, and even if you didn't go to the, the, the Chernobyl, that experience, you know, Kiev itself is beautiful with regards to, you know, the buildings, the architecture, mm. all that sort of stuff, the walks, things like that. Uh, um, with Dead Route 66 and all around there. Nice one. Well, Mustang, you know, I've done that. <laughs> of course. Done all that sort of stuff all, all across America and, one of my best road trips was flying into LA and going up through Vegas and on up Yosemite and across to San Francisco. And nice. coincidentally, it was good that one because what happened there was uh, the America's Cup was on at the time. Ah. And uh, we got the America's Cup in San Francisco and we're sort of caught in the Formula One of it all. And, nice. and we've seen all the yachts and all the, all the entourage going with that. And uh, it was fantastic. That was a good trip. And then we drove right the whole way down, Highway 1, right the whole way down to. LA again, you know, which was fantastic. You it's know, cool. good experience and meeting all local people too in the wee towns and yeah, yeah. even on the Route sixty six. You know, some of the wee towns we we'll go into and there's there's gold miners and there's everything, the bars and it, oh, it's, it's fantastic. You know, and seeing all the local life and Area fifty one oh, everywhere, mm-hmm. like you know. And firefighters, good conversation starter because everyone knows them, everyone needs them, <laughs> everyone knows them, meets them, and what have you. You know, what do you do for a living? And you know, you're a firefighter, and oh wow, and chatting about their, their experiences in life and, and yours and sometimes you bump into the firefighters when you're away, you know, yeah. and uh, chat away and the differences they have in respect to the Northern Iron Fire and Rescue Service. And, mm. But uh, always enjoyable experience in life, travelling. I would advise anybody to, you know, if they can do it, as they keep saying to you, uh, to go and travel and yeah. experience these different things in life because life is short and... Yeah. Uh, you want to have the memories, and in fact, every time I come back, I, uh, I, I don't know, I can not plug things, but say things. There's a wee photo books, a wee photo things you put together. Nice. So I get these photo books, and I have, I have a pile of them now that Epic. you know of all different trips, you yeah. know, and experiences in life, yeah. you know. So uh, um, I like to, I like to, you know, you put them on your phone and you take a photograph on your phone. You never look at them again. Like, you know, you're always. 
you're always ah, uh, oh, that's on there somewhere. Whereas <laughs> if it's physically there in front of you, and sometimes you go up and you'd flick through, you but I remember that we traveled. Yeah, I was a big, yeah, big yeah, one. Yeah. Remember that? And you know, that's that and the other, you yeah. know, which is good to have the memories in life, you it's know, because you can look back and go, remember doing that and yeah, remember yeah. that. Or yeah. if somebody's looking at a bit of advice in the holidays, I love doing that with people. And you know, where would be good to go, all oh, right, do this, do that. <laughs> and, you know, and then I, I, I'm a wee bit sort of, I write it all down with regards to get to the 86 bus and, and you pay Aye. this and do this, that, that, that. I'd have it all before again. That's, that, that's a wee trip. Like, you know, it's a holiday, yeah. you know. So looking back on not just the, the holiday memories, but your memories in general, what would you describe as the most challenging moment in all that? And how were you able to overcome it? Well, obviously overcoming the cancer and all what comes with that, with regards to that, that's, that's a big challenge with regards to... Uh, What's the hardest part of that? It's, it's the initial telling you and... Uh, the realization that cancer it can kill you and y- your life is precious, mm. and getting your head around that with regards to how you mentally prepare yourself for that, and and even the, as I said to you before, going up to the hospital and the checkups, the, the unknown. This it's it's crazy. You're you're going up and you're you're sitting there and not known. And I, I used to have this wee regime where I would sit away from everybody. Me and Jack and would sit away from everybody and. To a point where, to a point where your appointment card, <coughs> Jacking would, uh, she would have the appointment card and not tell me until a day or two because it, it would it would wreck me. You know, mm. I would be counting down days, five days, four days, three days to yeah, go, two yeah, days to yeah. go. So you go up to the the, the royal and uh, say with Mister Primrose or one of the other consultants, and uh, they they'd be scanning you and feeling you, uh, your neck and what have mm. you and. Uh, you know, and you'd be walking away there totally. And I used to have a wee thing. I used to have a wee thing where I used to come out of there and, and lucky enough it was all good news. And uh, I used to walk down to the ward I was in and see all the people, the, the nurses and the do- in that ward. And I used to walk through that ward and phone my mum then, phone my mum and tell her. I was up there, I was up at getting a checkup and it's all mm. clear. And my sister and mother very supportive yeah, as well, yeah. Joyce. And uh, they would be very supportive of my life with regards to what I've been through and what have you mm. know. And uh, yeah, um, that was very challenging. Yeah, you know because it, it, life could be just taken away from you. You know, with regards to an illness, and uh, and that's why I keep going back to just do the things now that that really excite you, and uh, because you can do them. Whereas in six months or a week's time, you mayn't be able to do them. Yeah. So, hi. On a later note, yeah, that that was challenging. That was good. That was that was. Uh, Obviously, relationship things, you know, are challenging too, you know, and uh, and what have you, you know. But uh, I tend to, as I say, I tend to surround myself in positive things. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, and happy people, you know, yeah. people are not going to bring you down. And, sure. And, 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 and not look for complaints and work way around things. And, and I think it's due to seeing so much in, in, in life and in different countries. You can, you sort of ways people come to you with a problem. It's not really a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's... It's a thing that's happened in their life that concerns them, but it's not really, you know, just get on with things and be happy, you know. <laughs> sure. Where was your dad at sea? He was all over the world. He was all over the world. He worked in Mersk Line. He worked in the Mersk Line and worked in super tankers. Wow. And uh, he was over, all over the Persian Gulf. So what, what is that? So is that oil rigging or what is that? Yeah, well, different types of cargoes, mainly mainly crude, crude oil, you know. So he worked in the super tankers and... Uh, 
it was actually funny because my dad used to go away for months at a time and come back and I uh, used to bring all these wee things home from, <laughs> from Taiwan and all over the world and like uh, when you were young you were like wow all over the world that is fantastic like and he used to have the, the pictures of him riding from one end of the ship to the other and wee motorbikes and all you know because they were so big <laughs> you know, they were massive absolutely mad. it took miles and miles to stop these, these ships like you know so he was up the Suez Canal and, and, and all over the world with regards to you know, his, his travels, like, you know, and I don't know if, if my travels came from that and just seeing different parts of the world and, and, and looking at different people and looking at his photographs and, and seeing all that side of things that it, it's put the travel bug into me. But, uh, no, he really enjoyed his life. But then, then the big, the big crash, you know, and, uh, then he was made redundant and what have you know mm. and, and we, we went through some difficult times at home as well sure. you know it hasn't been all rosy oh, wow. and uh, made un- unemployed and what have you and uh, he always wanted to do his best for us and always tried to support us and my mum tried to support us and uh, but no he's been he and my mum mum used to go out and visit him and uh, she used to stay on the ships as well there you know and uh, when, when obviously we were born you know but uh, my mum was all over the world she passed two, two, actually two years ago today so um, she was all over the world as well and lived wow. in Canada for a while and worked over there and went to visit my dad on several occasions and Class. stayed on the ship. And uh, But it's the big super tankers there, you know, what you see sitting all over the world there, you know, and deliver various cargoes and and uh, bulk or, or crude or whatever, like, you know. So, uh, But he worked on those and but it was Mercedes he worked for, you know, and all his, all his days there, you Class. know. And he was uh, he was the first officer in the... Merchant Navy. Unreal. Yeah, Unreal. He, he had a good life. He, he, had, a, he had a funny... I, I always remember this once. He, he, he brought this fella home, actually. <laughs> he, uh, <and> he, was, <laughs> he was a character because uh, he brought this guy home that, that worked on the boats, but he, he had no house or whatever whatever the situation was at the time. And he brought this fella home because he was, he was, his next tour in a few weeks' time, he was going away with him again. So he decided to bring him to our house. <laughs> and he was a lovely fella, like a young fella, you know, and, you know, and, and uh, just a, a work colleague, you know. And, yeah. And... Uh, just different wee things my dad did in his life, you know. He, he was he was a wee bit off a, off the wall, or you know, with regards <laughs> to his lifestyle, like you know. But uh, always a very kind man. Always mm-hmm. liked his boats and liked his yachts, and he had a wee yacht and all down in Donaghadee, and and uh, smoked his pipe and what have you know. And uh, just a typical, he, he was he would be a typical like a sailor, like you know, mm-hmm. and, and wearing the wee hat with a wee rope and all on it, and us mm-hmm. the, the, the yellow boots and all this, like you know. So. Uh, but I, my dad enjoyed his life. He was all over the world okay. and uh, enjoyed That's life. Um, if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland, dead or alive, out for a coffee or a pint, who would you take? Wow. Where would you take That's them? a question. Uh, well, you were even prepped on that. Carmel even... I know, she, she cheated. She, she even and prepped you. Know what? I've had about four hours. I've had about four hours to think about it and I still can't think of anybody. You know what? I said I'll take Carmel out. But, you know, uh, but, uh, do you know what? Do you know what? Maybe... Maybe... What, what about uh, what about Speedo Mick? He's doing well at the minute. Speedo, you ever heard I, of Speedo? Who's that? Tom? No, have you never I heard don't know who that is. Sorry, he's the guy that walked. No the respect, foot, no disrespect for, to Speedo Mick. For, yes, uh, from Lands End to John O'Groats. Look at it later on. Lands End to John O'Groats uh, and a pair of Speedos what? for charity. Wow, you know, and uh, fair play to that fella. He's full of life, and uh, you know, look him up there. He, he's all over the place. He's just finished there. So Class. yesterday, the day before, whatever it was, you know. But that guy's doing that for charity. And uh, he's walking. He walked the full length of uh, obviously through Scotland the whole way down through England. And uh, he'd be the type of person that would that that, that gives me a buzz. Somebody who 
no, well, bar him, uh, there was, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, were, I think, are interesting and are, are inspiring with what to do. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe not in the financial terms, but in their, in regards to what to do, uh, um, there, there's a fella actually in the fire service, Banjo, Banjo Ballon. Uh, uh, he, he's a real lovely fella and he works up one of the stations there, you know. And he's he's claimed Everest and, and wow. claimed various other mountains and very, very... Oh, fantastic guy! Like you know, even to talk to him, like he, he, inspirational with regards to what he does. Like I only titter around in the base camp. <laughs> I do, the, I do the things that everybody could do. But he would, he would do the, he would do the whole lot there. You That's know, he's mad. been up Everest a few times, I think, and various other mountains, and and uh, just totally inspirational. I like people who have got stories in life to tell, and stories that you're just sitting there in awe of what they have done in life, and yeah. uh, and happy people, and, and positive yeah. people. I like that kind of people like that for a coffee. So, who, who, who I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know who. We'll make coffee after us or whatever. Like, you know, the, uh, I don't know who uh, a name in particular. None, say none of these celebrities. There are probably celebrities out there that have done various challenges in life, you know, but, um, and, and things that are, are personal to them, that, that personal challenges to them. Mm-hmm. That are totally inspirational, and mm. my goodness, is that what you've done? And that is fantastic. Yeah, I have a great guy for you. I'll send you. Um, I'll send you a link to this episode. You ever heard hear tell of Norman Surplus? No, I haven't. No. Right, so for you guys listening in, this is this is good for you too. So we did an episode with a guy called Norman. Mm-hmm. He's from Larne, right? And uh, he was doing loads of stuff. His dad was a a, a marine engineer, so kind of yeah. similar, you know, out in the boats and yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was doing loads of stuff he brought wind energy in Northern Ireland he made Formula 1 games and then he, later in life he had cancer okay. and he beat the cancer and he said if he beat the cancer he's going to learn how to fly a wee thing called the gyrocraft gyrocraft right okay. and he's the first man in the world to circumnavigate the planet in an auto gyro wow and he's from Larne a great story yeah, this, you would get on this, with him like this, a house on fire was this like last year or it was or pretty this year? recently yeah yeah because I watched that actually mm-hmm. and I thought my goodness look at that fella's done yeah. isn't that absolutely so you'd like fantastic. him you, you know you, I love people out there you love that, the travelling but I love people out there that go and do things they, they don't talk they go and do it yeah. and, and they're positive and, and you look back in your life and go you've done that you know I was, I, I'm not going to mention the name but I was talking to a girl the other day and, and she was saying about where I she says do you know what and, and she was in her mid 30s and uh, she was saying I've not. If somebody said to me now, what have you done? I haven't done much. Mm. And, you know, look at you, you've done this, that, and the I says, aye, but listen, I didn't start that until later on in life and started enjoyment. I says, start from now and go and do it. Pick, pick something small that, 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 but it's big to you with regards to a challenge. Should it be walking up Ben Nevis or, or Scaffell Pike or, or Sleeve Donard? Anything, mm. or if, if it's mountains you're into, mm-hmm. or swim or, or join a club do something that excites you yeah. in life and something that you're going to get joy out of and, and it's a personal goal to you and build those experiences up it doesn't have to be going to base camp it doesn't have to be climbing a mountain it doesn't have, you know go go from one end of a country to another because a lot of people now and they feel as if they can't do these things but they really can't do the things mm. you know there's 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 when we go on our travels, you see a lot of single girls and their own single fellas and own, doing you know traveling about the world do you know from Australia and from uh, like we we met a we met a girl there from uh, Colombia uh, on her last week trip there and she's travelling through Vietnam on her own and uh, obviously you have to be safe and you have to be careful what you're doing but those experiences in life where you can build up your 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 we your life basically it's your life mm. build up your life and tell the stories of what you've done and what what's excited you and what you've enjoyed doing and and that's how you start you don't by start but you don't start by sitting and going. 
wonder if for our could you know it's not it's going to do it mm-hmm. go and do that in life and build up those new experiences and then come back to me in a year's time David you know what I've done I've done this I've done that <laughs> which is fantastic to me because that's that's that makes me happy yeah you're asking before what makes me happy in life it makes me happy in life seeing people getting on and getting on with life and getting on with their experience in life because as I say it can change it can change tomorrow which you can come back to and uh, uh, my wife lost her sister there just, just recently mm-hmm. you know and and it was mentioned that, that she was going to plan a holiday for this year and it didn't happen mm-hmm. you know so uh, you know those people who who pick their wee challenges and go and do their wee things that inspires me because I say fantastic that's brilliant that's super I love to see I love to see positive people and people enjoying life sure you know and that's what it's all about 100%. such as that fellow and his Jero like what an experience would that be in life <laughs> brilliant <laughs> flying over all them countries and all and, and stopping and, and meeting people and even the, 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 the logistics of it refuel and doing this out in the hour and and seeing the experience, drinking coffee with, with people, oh, like travel people in the Sahara. And, <laughs> wow, we're actually going over to, we're actually going over to, uh, we're, well, we're going over to Colombia here soon to, to uh, you know, the Pablo Escobar tours and all mm. that sort of stuff, you know. And then going up onto the coast and doing that soon. And then we're going down to, um, we're going down to stay in, in uh, Amman in Jordan and doing the, the Wadi Rum and Petra and all those Class. sort of countries like, you know, or the, the places there, you know. And, uh, that inspires me to do things like that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and seeing people and seeing people enjoying themselves and enjoying life and, and grabbing that, you know, a lot of people go through a lot of mental difficulties in life and sometimes it's not easy to keep going on. But, you know, as I say, if you do the positive things, it comes out in you mentally, it comes out in oh. you, you know, and, and then you're a nice person to be around, you know, and whatever inspires you in life, you know, do mm-hmm. it. And and be happy with what you've got, yeah. and content with what you've got. Mm. You know, I'm very content with my life, and content with the the people that surround me, and the support I get from my colleagues and work and family. And I, I just love doing what I'm doing. It's amazing. I'm happy at the minute. You know, it's good. Very you can happy. tell. I'm not going to be a millionaire. No one can see it. There's no camera here, but this is a happy man in front of me. Of, <laughs> I'm not going to be driving a Ferrari down uh, down Red Avenue or whatever. Like, but uh, <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm content, and and that's what life's about. Sometimes, yeah. Reaching that point where you're content with what you have, because that is your life, mm-hmm. and it's not that it's not. I don't chase the money. I don't chase the the promotions and work anymore. And although I probably should, like, but uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of young fellas there are, are, are streets ahead of me with regards to knowledge and 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 you know, brain power now. You know what I mean? But uh, it's just whatever makes you happy mm-hmm. and and content. Yeah, which is good in life. It's class. Davey, final question this is the question we always end on. Uh, if we could turn this wee recording studio and normal bass here into a time machine, and let's say we could go back to you in your postal clerk job, uh-huh. and you're able to zap through and I go. Don't know bes- I don't know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and go beside him whenever you're you know putting the wee things through the machine, uh-huh. and you had a couple of minutes of that Davey's time. What would you say to him? Back in the day, back in the postal day, I would say, I would say, live your life long, and live your life wisely with regards to, you know, um, being around positive things, positive people, and grasp every opportunity in life, and enjoy the people you're with because they mayn't be with you mm. for too long, and just you know, 
treasure the things that you have and don't take them for advantage, you know, because, you know, something could be something, not necessarily you, but somebody could be taken away from you, which is precious to you. So take that minute to hug somebody and, and appreciate with what you do have at the minute, you know. And that's my advice to everybody. Just be happy and inspirational. Enjoy what you have because it may be short. Mm. And that's it. Davey, mate, that was class. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me here today. It was a wee bit sort of, you know, I'm the, 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 the dinosaur with regards to the podcast. I says, what is a podcast? I'm going to do a podcast interview. What is a podcast? I says, well, how, do you, how does that work? I had to ask something the other day. How do I do this thing? What, what is it? I says, no, it's just a simple version of... of I says, flip me, I've never done this before in my so life. So good, man. I says, I've done we, we radio things, you know, Aye. for, you know, do you know, and, and, and the fire service, you know, they put you in front of a camera or, or, or the radio station for different instances I've been at and what have you. And obviously it's all very formal and there, there's a structure to it and what have you. But this here, I've actually enjoyed doing this, you know. I'm and, glad, man. Uh, I've enjoyed it too. You're, you're a nice fella. <laughs> and uh, probably born like the old, old <laughs> like, you know, and, uh, that rocket there. Why'd they let him in the fire service? You know? He should have stayed at the postal. But uh, no, the, uh, I, I actually, you know, I just, just hopefully people get out of it that, uh, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or, a ma- you know, you know, as, as long as you can plod on in life mm. and, and try your best, do your best. Not everybody's going to be totally successful with what, but you can be successful in what you do and do it the best your ability, absolutely, and get great enjoyment out of it, and and that, that's all you can wish, and that's all you can wish for your children as well with regards to happiness in life, you know. As long as they're should it be sweet in the streets, and there's nothing wrong with that, or should it be picking up litter, or should it be doing whatever, as long as they're enjoying themselves and they're able to maintain their lives with regards to what they're doing, and and that's all anybody could wish for in life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that it's not sometimes sometimes people be content with easier things in life and, and, and content with that. Or people are looking for that ultimate, you know, the ultimate rush and all the rest of it, which Aye. is fine. Which is fine. But, you know, whatever makes you happy and, and content yeah. and go through life and be, be kind to everybody and uh, take some time out to, to listen to people. Yeah. Because there was once, I'm going on here, I'm probably overstepping my mark here, but there, <laughs> there was once I was watching a program, which is truly inspirational, which was a guy on the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And he was having uh, uh, mental problems with regards to his, obviously, mental health. And uh, he says he said that uh, if, if, if he gets off the, the, the tram or, the, or the, the bus and one person speaks to him, mm. he'll not jump off the bridge. Yeah. And... He went from there and he jumped. Now, and you can watch this. It's, it's, your public can watch this here. And uh, uh, the jumper on the Golden Gate. And uh, nobody took the time to even, how's it going? And you know what? Sometimes it's just a simple, how's things today? Mm. How are you today? And just get that person to open up to you. Oh, good. And there's somebody actually, then you're looking, somebody actually cares today here. You mm. know, they're not in their wee world of their phones and their tablets and whatever else they have nowadays. They're wrapped up in their world. You know, this here fantasy of these people on this phone and all. Mm. But they're giving other people the time of the day. How's things today? Are you okay today? That always means a lot, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, it does. So it's people like that, you know, it's things like that that inspire me and taking that time to, as I said to you before, I go out and talk to the firefighters and I'm not special, I'm just an ordinary person. But it's, it's just reassuring them that, that they're a bit of normality there and it's, um, there's help there and there's 
there's people who want to help them mm -hmm. because it's a very difficult job to do in the fire service. Yeah, mentally and physically, you know, with what they can be faced with. So we'll have to take care of that as well, and and know that there's help out there, you know. But but ending on a good note, it was lovely meeting you today. <laughs> yes, David, class to meet you, honestly. Yeah. Thank you. And you have to hook me up that fellow in his chair. Yeah, maybe no, take me for a spin someday. You, you absolutely <laughs> love it. Hi everyone, I'm Claire Dodge, GM of Ormo Baths, a tech hub and co-working facility based in the historic Victorian bathhouse in the heart of Belfast city centre. Back in the good old days, Best of Belfast was my commute entertainment. Listening to the inspiring stories of Northern Irish people following their dreams and making magic happen was a great start or end to my day. Now that I've been working from home, I've kept up the same routine and it's a great way for me to continue to brighten my days. My favourite episode, well, it has to be from one of our dear members of our Omabaz community, Mr. Mark Todd. It was really inspiring and it just made me feel very peaceful, at rest and happy knowing that there's excellent people doing excellent things within Northern Ireland. It is our delight and our pleasure to have Best of Belfast based out of the Armo Baths. And we're excited about what's coming next. So if you've been on the fence about joining the Producers Club and would miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't here, I'd highly recommend you joining today. Pop on over to bestofbelfast.org and I look forward to seeing you in our WhatsApp group very soon.